than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Hi, and welcome to Caught Between Generations. I am Dr. Merrill, and I am here with some really very, very special guests today. Uh, this is actually our last live show for 2017. We are going to be on the air in the next two weeks on Thursdays, but we're going to do a kind of top hits, and we're going to play for you again the top rated shows of 2017 for you to hear again over the holidays. But today we wanted to kind of do a salute to caregivers. Um, As most of you know, I've been a caregiver for my mother. I've had to come to terms recently with the fact that I really am a caregiver again uh, for my husband, which was really difficult um, for me when I finally realized that that is true. Um, And so I know in my heart how hard it is um, to really try to care for people in multiple generations or just a person um, and try to do everything else you have to do in your life. So we're going to talk about different types of caregiving today with different types of caregivers. um, And we're just going to try to give you some tips and some hints um, and some things that I hope are going to help you get through the holidays and then even after that to continue in your caregiving. So I have with me today uh, Louis Dean Holloway Moore. Uh, Louis Dean was an educator. Actually, to me, she still is an educator. Um, And I've known Louis Dean a long, long time um, because we cared for her mother uh, in one of our Syracuse centers. And Louis Dean has been a tremendous help to us. Uh, on our Syracare Corporate uh, Community Advisory Council. Also with me today is Latrice Virola, and Latrice is going to talk to us about caring for a son uh, who is autistic. And then Jim Anderson is with us today, and he's going to be talking about caregiving from a man's perspective, um, who uh, Jim cared for his wife for many, many years. So I think this is going to be a really good show. Uh, we're going to start with Louis Dean. Welcome to Caught Between Generations, Louis Dean. Thank you very much, Merle. Thank you. Oh, well, well, thank you. So, Louis Dean, can you um, share with us, you know, what happened uh, with your mother, especially when your mother was initially hospitalized, um, in terms of her event and in terms of the advice you received um, close to the time that she was getting ready for discharge? Well, my mother was what they call abrupt dementia, and I had never heard of it before. But she was admitted to the hospital and was there for 14 days. During that time, they told me that she would never return to herself again. And that was devastating to me because she also was an educator and was doing everything that she wanted to do during her retirement. And I'm still working, so now I have to plan on taking care of my mom. So after the 14 days were up, 
they said that she would, would not be able to go home with me. And I asked them why. They said because of her illness. And I said, I plan to take her home with me. And I just need to know of a facility where she can go during the day while I am working. And they really didn't want me to bring her home. And I told them that that's my decision. My decision was to bring her home. And that's what I planned to do. I was very, very happy that there was a worker in the hospital that told me about Sarah Daycare. And in turn, I made an appointment to go to Sarah Daycare. When I arrived, I talked to the staff, and they were very warm, opening, and I told them the situation, and they said, yes, there was an opening for mom to come. And that's how I became involved with Sarah Daycare. And still was able to work for the next um, 18 18, 20 years for the next 20 years and just enjoy my mom and myself. And the one thing that I've always said to anyone who is going through a situation like that, especially one that's so abrupt and you don't know what to do, do not give in to them saying that you have to take your loved one to a nursing facility. That is your decision and that should be your decision alone. If you feel that you can do it, then do it because we have the love. I had the love. I had extra help from some of my family members. And by all means, take your loved one home with you if you can. I, I think, Lewisine, that's an, an outstanding point. I mean, I actually had the same experience with my own mother uh, after her stroke. I'll, I'll never forget um, standing by her hospital bed and the social worker coming in and saying to me in front of my mother, uh, well, you're going to have to put her in a nursing home now. There's no way you're going to be able to take her home. And I said to her, mm-hmm. can I see you out in the hallway for a few minutes? <laughs> I think you and I need to have a discussion. Um, I was beside myself on how she dares say that um, to me in front yes. of my mother. All right. Yes. Um, and in the hallway, I had a discussion with her about, you know, this this isn't fair to families. Families need to understand they have options. And if the only option they have is the nursing home, then that's fine. And that's what's appropriate for the family. But they need to understand they have options. So I think you're right. You need to stand your ground and say, I really want to understand all the options before we finally make right. a decision. Yeah. Louisine, yes. yes. in dealing with the physicians, I mean, what were your challenges there? In dealing with the physicians, um, when I would take mom in for the talk or when they would want to speak to her, they would not even look at my mother. They looked directly at me. And I, and I would question them. I said, are you supposed to be talking to me or to my mom? And they said, well, we feel that she does not understand. I said, but she can hear you. She can listen to what you're saying. Why don't you try speaking to her? And so they would not follow what I wanted to do. So I had a very beautiful family physician who would listen to what I want done for my mom as far as medical. And so she would find me someone who would actually listen to my mom. And in the meanwhile, if you go to different doctors, naturally all doctors are going to prescribe medicines, which... At that time, I did not understand what they were or how they were being used. But when you find yourself with 20 or 21 
pills that your loved one has to take. Something's wrong. And with my family physician's help, we were able to reduce that dosage down to eight pills. And I was so, so elated that that happened because that really showed me that some of the medicine was counteracting the purpose of healing my mom or helping her with her situation. Yeah, I I agree with you. There's often situations where we're saying to a family, you really need to consult with another physician who can really take a look at the medications. Or the other thing is the pharmacists are extremely knowledgeable and helpful about medications that are contraindicated. Um, And they're more than willing to take a look at all the medications someone's taking and tell you. Um, We think there's a contraindication here. We think there's a problem. And they actually the pharmacist will call the physician for you um, and discuss it with the physician directly so that's really really helpful yes that's that's great uh, information for anyone and as I said before you have to take an active uh, part in the medication and also in your uh, loved one's life because you are the spokesman for that person because they can't understand what's happening to them sometimes, and they don't know how to express themselves. So you really have to be there for them and be the arm that goes forth and make sure everything is done correctly for them. You you know, Lewisine, I've always had such great admiration for you because um, you took such unbelievable care of your mother. I loved your mother. I mean, she was just, she was wonderful. And you took great care of her um i remember you. you guys like going out to dinner um every yeah. every night after you left the center but the thing i wanted to say is you know we always talk about it's really important for caregivers to take care of themselves um in order to keep on giving you were an unbelievable caregiver and yet you were able um to make time which was critical uh, to go away and, and in effect refuel and find some time for yourself. And I think some people would look at that and say, oh, you shouldn't have done that or why did you do that and what did you do with your mom during that time period? I mean, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yes, I can. Uh, that's funny that you mentioned that because my family physician told me, if you don't take care of yourself, who is here to actually take care of your mom? And I got to thinking about that, and I said, you know, you're right. You have to really take care of yourself also because the stress level is up there because you want to do the best you can for your loved one, and that's what I was doing. But I was also neglecting myself, and once I started to go away and take trips and enjoy and come back and be refreshed, I saw a different outlook. I could do more for my mom. I was more in tune with what was going on with with her. And everyone needs to take a break. It's wonderful to be there every minute of the day that you can be with them. And people would always say, when I see your mom, I see you. I said, well, yes, you do. I said, but if it's in times when I need to get away, then that's what you have to do. And I tell people today, you have to. That, that's just the number one priority for yourself. You, if not, then you will end up being sick, 
and then what are you going to do? Then you're more stressed because you still have your loved one to take care of. You know, Lewisine, actually, that was an interesting thought that you said I want to emphasize, and that is when you went away and you got a little bit of distance from your mom and you came back, you were able to see some things that you hadn't seen before um, so that you were actually able to maybe make some changes and take even better care of her because you had gotten some distance from her daily care, um, which is something actually I hadn't thought about before, which, which is very striking. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Bef- before we end just this segment, uh, Louis, do you know, are there any um, final thoughts you kind of have for our listeners from your experience as a caregiver? From my experience as a caregiver, it is very opening to know that you have your loved one and you are responsible for them, just like a baby or a child. And you never think about you taking care of a parent or a sister or anyone else you, because you're more in tune with yourself. You're trying to get yourself together and do what you want to do. But I must say that it has given me a different outlook on life by being a caregiver for my mom. I'm also able now to help other people when they have a situation where they feel their loved one, their parent or their grandparent is having difficulty. They always either call me or if they see me, they always stop and talk to me. And I always have time for them. And that, again, is the precious time that we think we're so, so busy. Just take one or two minutes out of that precious time and talk to someone because that helps them relieve stress and know that there is someone else who has been where they are on a journey to at this time. Lewiston, thank you so much. I hope you'll stay with us. Um, But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Lucrece Virola. We're going to switch generations a little bit. um, And we're going to be talking uh, about taking care of a child who is autistic. Stay with us. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-Care.com. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I am Dr. Beryl. We were just talking to Louis Dean Moore uh, about her experiences in suddenly having uh, to care for her mother uh, who suddenly developed dementia. And now we're going to be talking to Latrice Virola, who is the Director of Planning for SARTA um, here in Stark County. And Latrice is a mom um, and a wife. And I've had the pleasure of uh, working with Latrice for uh, many years and working for arranging transportation for seniors, which, as we all know, is probably one of the most challenging parts of taking care of seniors. Um, And Latrice and her organization does an outstanding job of doing that, so we're always very appreciative to her. So, welcome to the show, Latrice. So, Latrice, you do have a challenge, and that is, how many children do you have? I have three. You have three. And which of your children is autistic? So I have my 10-year-old son is uh, autistic, and then I have an 8-year-old son and a 3-year-old daughter. So it's your oldest. It was your first child. Yes. Oh. And how did you know that he was autistic? So what happened is, is um, when he was little, he used to spell stuff all the time. So we thought it was like a cute trick. We would tell everybody. Then all of a sudden, he stopped doing it. So then I was a little concerned saying, okay, he's not doing this anymore. So me and his dad were talking, um, talked to his uh, pediatrician. Pediatrician said, oh, well, he might be delayed a little bit. Don't worry. But that didn't really sit well with me. So started talking with my mom about it. And what we eventually did is got early intervention through helping me grow here. Um, got him tested. And he got diagnosed when he was 18 months old. Um, well, actually, no, I'm sorry, when he was two and a half. Um, he got diagnosed. We started when he was 18 months. So just basically, once he lost some skills that he had, that's kind of when we went down the path to get him diagnosed. So once again, it's another situation where someone is saying to you, don't worry about it. But you knew as a mom in your heart that something was not right. I was like, it's like, that just doesn't seem right. If, if you did some kind of testing and said, don't worry, I would have been okay. But it was just like, oh, don't worry. It's probably fine. I wasn't comfortable with that. So I said, well, I'm just going to keep looking because worst case, it's nothing. But I'd rather pursue it and it's nothing than not pursue it and it turns into be something. So. Yeah, I, I can't tell you when I was a therapist and treating kids, how many how many moms I talked to who said, I just knew there was something wrong with this child. Um, there was just not right. I just knew in my gut there was something wrong. And people would be like, oh, Einstein didn't talk till he was four, you know, And but they just knew. So you always really need to listen to that. So you found out he was autistic. That must have made major changes suddenly in your life. Well, you would think it would make major changes, but with all the different things going on with him, we were already doing things anyway. So what happened is now we just had a name for it and more of a structure around what we were doing. So the different things that my son were, was doing, like my son didn't talk. 
my son has never talked. So I didn't really have to make any type of adjustments because we were just working around the fact that he didn't talk to us. So we were learning other ways to communicate with them. So what it did is it gave us a wider array of people to talk to about the different things that we were doing with him. And now we realized, oh, there's another group of people that have these same type of things going on. So we really didn't have to make changes. We just had to say, oh, we've been doing this. Now there's more of a structure to it. Maybe we can talk to doctors and see additional things we could do to make it more structured than things we were doing and working with him every day. So how did you communicate to him then? So well, he, he can hear us so we can understand him. So what happens a lot is he guides us around the house. He knows a little bit of sign language sometimes. Um, also, he has a tablet that he works with, but we just talk to him. So we say, what do you want to drink? And he would just walk us through the refrigerator and show us what he wanted to drink. Um, the harder things is, do you feel good? Well, we can't really do that. So we kind of know his body language and say, oh, we can look at He's more active today or less active today. So some of the things is just being around him is how we communicate with him. So some of the things we just adjusted to. Yeah, but Lutrice, I mean, one of my children has a very uh, severe learning disability. I mean, very severe. Now, thank goodness, um, he's now a licensed psychologist, actually. So, I mean, it was a long path with him. But when we first got that diagnosis, it, it was hard. I mean, it was a shock to us. Um, and, I, and I think it was a shock, but I think what helped is my family because we'd been talking about it and my mom especially is very supportive. So we're always like, okay, so now we have a name to it. So you have, we always say we have time to be shocked by it, but then say, okay. And again, we'd always been working with him. I didn't really know a lot about autism. So I didn't have a mindset to say, now he's diagnosed, this means something negative. I just thought now he's diagnosed. So now I have a name to it. Now we, let me try to find all the positive things to deal with it. So I think because just me not knowing a lot about autism, when I heard it, I wasn't devastated because I didn't think, oh, this is a horrible blow. I more thought, oh, my goodness, now I know what this is. Now let me see what resources are available to help me and help other people understand it because I knew a lot of people that didn't know what autism was. So when I learned about it, my first thought was, let me try to educate as many people as possible on understanding autism. So then his world can be a little bit easier because I didn't know, so other people probably don't know. That's a, that's a very, very interesting approach. So when people would say things to you, which, I mean, they do. I mean, people say things like, wow, you know, he's pretty old. Why isn't he talking? All so, right. And usually what I do is I usually, when I meet brand new people, I usually up front try to talk about the different things that are unique about my son. So if I'm going into a room full of children, especially, I say, okay, so my son doesn't talk, but just because he doesn't talk doesn't mean he can't understand you. So talk to him like you do every other child. And if you need to say something or want to know something about him that you can't get from your interactions with him, just come and talk to me. If he's doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable, come and tell me. But one of the things my son does all the time is he taps all the time. So the way I explain it to kids is, you know, you like to bounce a basketball all the time. That's why he likes to tap. Once they get that correlation, they're like, oh, that's okay. I do the same thing with other people. So a lot of my time, I try to spend educating people on autism or the things specific to my son. So then therefore they don't feel awkward in the situations or what's going on because I try to lead with that to say, oh, you know, he doesn't understand personal space. So because of that, you might just want to make sure you keep your cup a little bit closer to you or don't have a plate with open food because he's not going to understand that. So then when something comes up and he tries to grab somebody's plate, I don't have to feel awkward or make him feel awkward because I've already told people these are some unique things about him. Just pay attention to that when you're interacting with us. That's a that's a fabulous approach. I actually had not heard that before. Um, that I think is really, really valuable in terms of, you know, telling people upfront and ahead of time. You and, know? It, and it helps to just 
because you're already when I go in a situation that I haven't been able to kind of scout at first and have control over, it makes me anxious. So that helps to release significant amount of anxiety when other people in the room are aware of some of the challenges he might have, because then they can help me with some of the different things that are going on. Like if I'm in a room, my son's a runner. If I'm in a room and there's a door and I tell people my son's a runner, people then naturally go to say, okay, what can I do to help you? Oh, do you want me to block this door? Do you need to put something here? Do I need to adjust something? Which gets a little bit of pressure off of me and trying to navigate through the situation. So in doing that, that's helped me out. So that's kind of just become my pattern of what I do when I go in any type of situation, because it just makes things so much easier being his caregiver, especially with two other children that I have to kind of watch after. So so what are the resources that were have been helpful to you as you were out there searching for resources? I think the main thing that helped is when I got my son in early intervention and he started going to school, then I started meeting other parents. And then I started being able to talk to people that had similar situations going on with their children and they could tell me about resources. So when my son was in preschool, we were sitting in a community room and I was talking about I had to take him to the dentist. Well, then the parents were talking like, oh, we all go to this dentist here and she specializes in kids with special needs, which was perfect because now when I go to the doctor's office, I don't have to explain as much to the doctor about the different things going on with him because she just knows because she specializes in that. So what happened is the other parents were a significant resource to find out different things and different um, doctors I could go to. Um, I got a fence for my yard by talking to parents about a way to get resources for that. So the parents really helped out a lot. And then as I did that, the, the teachers at the school also helped out a lot. So I think the parents were probably the best resource because most parents have to kind of figure out the things on their own for their children and they want to help other parents. You know, it's interesting because we talk about support groups even for um, seniors uh, with dementia um, because that, that whole issue of walking into a room, suddenly being with people, um, you know, trying to keep them safe. I think it's great advice and I think it, it could, you know, it could apply to even someone who's taking care of a senior who perhaps has dementia um, that you could actually tell them up front and ahead of time. Yeah, and I think it just, again, helps you to feel more at ease, but also the person as well, because the different unique things that are going on with them, they may be self-conscious about it. So if people are just aware, this is something that's a little bit different, that just helps everybody to be more comfortable in the room, I think. So how did you keep your home safe? Because you say he's a runner. So so what do you do? So what we do is, I think it's always, I always say, Lorenzo doesn't do something until he does. So it's always ever evolving. So with him being a runner, what we have to do is we have different locks on our doors. But as my son gets older, he learns, oh, I can get past that lock. Or he's very smart, so he pays <laughs> attention. Um, so a lot of time what I do is I try to think, um, okay, so we have the house secure right now. But I try to think, okay, what can we do to either avert him from learning to get past what we have or to teach him how to be safe or a little bit more safe in this environment? So we try to teach him different things about our front door, for example. We don't ever go out that door because it's the least secure door. So if we don't go out that door, he doesn't pay any attention to it. And honestly, he probably doesn't even know it's a door. So we just kind of change some of our behaviors. We don't have anyone come in that door. So we make a lot of adjustments that might seem very small to most people, but they're huge. And they could be really life-saving to him because it makes it safer environment. So a lot of it is just looking at and thinking through, okay, what could possibly happen and kind of be a couple steps ahead and think, oh, you know what? He did see me unlock that refrigerator. So let me start thinking about what I need to do differently so we can secure that. And it's really helped in getting the house together and always thinking, okay, just because it's safe today doesn't mean it won't change tomorrow. So we have to kind of be on our toes. So what advice would you give to um, people, 
in, in terms of their interaction with caregivers of autistic children? I think to be understanding, to really look at the situation, especially like if you see a child having a meltdown in a, out in public that, oh, maybe that parent might need some assistance and really see what can I do? Um, something could be simple as like I was in a waiting room at a doctor's office and Lorenzo was getting very anxious. So another mom was like, can you just take him inside into a smaller room? Because there might be slight adjustments you can make to help make that person's life easier instead of judging the caregiver and assuming, oh, they're a bad parent or, oh, you should have done this differently, which I've had people say to me, just say, you know what, they might be in need of help. Is there a way that I could assist them? Is there something that you need? Because it could be something very simple that could help them and the person they're caring for to make things so much easier and not be judgmental. That's very interesting. Actually, I had the experience of being in an airport watching two parents, a mother and a father with two children who to me were obviously autistic. Um, and she was doing an unbelievable job, I thought, of handling them, uh, in a, especially in a public place, in an airport where there's lots of stimuli coming in um, and lots going on. And I was just so impressed uh, with what she was doing and the way she was handling it. I knew she was exhausted. Um, I just, I don't know what came over me. I just kind of walked over and I said to her, wow, you are just doing a great job. Um, I am really um, impressed. And actually, I think she, I, I, I got a mixed reaction to that. I must have been. So, Latrice, what should I have done a little differently? And I think, honestly, I would have liked that because I think a lot of times, especially if I'm struggling with my son having difficult behavior, having someone even acknowledge that will make me say, okay, because sometimes you feel unsure about yourself. Like, okay, am I doing the right thing? So I think getting that would have been something that I would have appreciated. Everybody might not feel the same way, but sometimes it might just be, especially if a child is having a meltdown, do you need any assistance? And they could say yes or no. So that just might be, or if you could tell by looking at someone's face, oh, they got it handled, they're good. But if they need assistance, just asking, because it could be, again, something simple that you could do to help them. Okay. Any kind of final thoughts for our kickers? I can't believe that our time is up already for, for talking about uh, your son, although we can come back to this. But, yeah. Um, no, I think that the main thing is, is that as a caregiver, I think you know a lot more than you think you know, even when you get something that's, comes up kind of all of a sudden, you know a lot more than you think you know about how to take care of your loved ones, so kind of use your instincts. Well, trust your gut. You're mm -hmm. right. You know, I think that's that's the largest part of the problem is we don't always trust uh, our own instincts and our own knowledge um, base and what we know. So, all right, that was great. All right, when we come back, we're going to be talking to Jim Anderson, and we're going to be talking about his uh, care for his wife uh, over many, many years. Um, and what does it really mean um, to suddenly be a caregiver when you're a man? Uh, we've been talking to women, and now we're going to get the guy's side of it. So stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. 
you'd know Saracare LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Saracare Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Saracare. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I am Dr. Merrill, and I've been here with Louis D. Moore. We've been talking about her care for her mom. Uh, and Latrice Virola, we were talking about her care for her son who is autistic. And now we're here with Jim Anderson, and we're going to be talking about his care for his wife, Pat, who had Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease. Um, Jim was an independent insurance agent. Prior to that, he was an insurance adjuster. He was a communications officer with the Highway Patrol. Jim's traveled a lot. Um, He's a historian, and Jim and Pat are the parents of three daughters. Um, So welcome to Caught Between Generations, Jim. Thank you. So, Jim, what do you think really is, because, Jim, you also are one of the co-founders for our Sarah Care um, support group for men, um, kind of for men, led by men, um, because we found that the men really had some issues they wanted to discuss between each other and not necessarily in a mixed gender group. So what do you think are the differences for men? Uh, Many. Many? So tell us a few, Jim. (laughs) There's uh, the reason that that it was started was because as I started going to caregivers' meetings, they were dominated by women, number one. Are Uh, you trying to tell me we talk a lot? Please. Are you trying to tell me we talk a lot? I'm just saying the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we noticed that and Bob noticed that and we just couldn't get a word in if we'd start and we'd have someone who was uh, would come in with a strong 
personality and, and overtake. And Bob said, you know, this would be a good thing for us to talk men, men to men, so we could get our thoughts and ideas and, and learn as well. Because I had I'd read all the books. I read the coach's book from Texas. I read I read so many of them. I went to different uh, caregivers from Sarah to Affinity and, and different ones around just to try and and um, work myself into a situation where I would be able to hopefully assist and and uh, take care of my wife when she was uh, when she was uh, diagnosed. I was still able to take her. What we did, I did everything I could as far as making, trying to make life normal for her at that time. And we'd go to, we'd go to lunches, we'd go to dinners, we'd, we'd just go out, but unfortunately, accidents would occur. And next, you know, it came to the point where uh, we went to, the, had to take her to the hospital for a reason. And they, at that time, advised me that she wouldn't be able to go home, mm-hmm. which was a real blow to me. But uh, it was it was something that I said. Now, how am I going to be able to to compensate for what I used to do to this? So I just focused on her, and that was my focus. Period. Uh, as a matter of fact, I may have done it wrong, but it's the way I felt. Because my children would say, "Dad, you've got to do other things. You've got to." Do. For instance, we had tickets to the symphony. You know, we loved the symphony, and it was. Five six years ago, when she couldn't go anymore, I just gave my tickets up because I didn't want to go without her. You know, and you get into that situation, get into sort of a rut where you say, "Okay, what can I do?" And then when we got into another situation, it was like a step process. She was able to be with me. I was able to feed her, take care of her, and believe me, there is a difference in women and men caregivers. Women, I give them all the credit in the world, but men have to learn these things. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it, but God took care of me and my faith held me through. But it was it was a, a situation where I just I just wanted to do everything I could for her. And then when she went into the third step, went into the, the, uh, the home where she was being treated by others, then I said, well, I want to, I want to make sure she gets good service because I wasn't trusting anyone you know I, I'm at that point in my life where I want to say I want to make sure she gets the best and so I got into a habit of feeding her every every day most every day mm-hmm. and I would take uh, she loved she wouldn't eat too much for them at the, at, the, at the facility so I always took a smoothie uh, a strawberry banana smoothie from McDonald's and the next day I would take her a uh, mango, banana, and she loved those things. She just, and I thought, well, okay, I'm doing something right. She likes this, you know. Right. Because, mm-hmm. and I would sing to her. Aw, you sang, would sing to her? I sang to her. I played music for her. And then we were fortunate to have a good hospice uh, through um, the, one of the local uh, uh, hospitals here. And it was really great. It really helped me and, and it taught me a lot. And uh, she would come in and she would play the, the, the music for Patty as well. And uh, we just, uh, between her and I, there was a song that I'll never forget.
I know, it's hard, Jim. Yeah. yeah. And it was called, You Are Mine. And that really got to me. But uh, when I sat with the, the uh, sister from uh, Mercy, she was playing the same songs. So she loaded them up on my my little phone here on YouTube. And then I would play it with her, and then I'd sing these different songs. And she, I, I know she probably said, oh, shut up, I can't. <laughs> it would get to that point. But it was something to make. I think I was getting more therapy than she was, quite frankly. I think it was for me, quite frankly. Jim, you said something interesting. You said yeah. that you think that the caregiving is different yeah. for men than it is for women. Can you, can you kind of yeah. explain that a little bit? How is it different? I believe that a woman is a natural-born caregiver. I think they are much stronger when it comes to this situation. And I believe that men have to learn that because this is what a woman does. She is natural. It comes to her. Not that it's easy for her to do it, but it's she has the equipment and and she has the the background. She just being a woman makes her a real good uh, caregiver. I've, I've I've seen that because in the caregivers I've had, I've asked questions about that, and they were very very uh, uh, aware of the situation. It, it's an interesting question, and and Latrice is yeah. still here with me. She's a younger woman. Louis Dean and I are here. We're the oldies but goodies in the room, okay? Yeah. And I wonder if it's so much male versus female or it's generational. So, for instance, I watch my sons of a different generation. They do a lot more um, than my husband ever did. And, and I'm not complaining about my husband. It's no. just, you know, they do more caregiving for their children. They do more in the house. It, the, the roles the roles are, are different. Just, that's yeah. exactly right. There's a di- distinct difference there. And uh, that I, I, I've noticed this when I've seen others. Patty was in a two-bedroom. She was with two two people, one her and another lady. And I saw her, uh, I saw her a daughter come in and the way she would handle it and how she could, she was so attentive to this and that. And I watched and I said, well, I got to do the, you know, I learned from that. I tried to learn from everything. Uh, and uh, I said, boy, you know, I saw guys doing this. And Bob, I'm sure I didn't see, but I know that he did a terrific job for his wife. But, yeah, uh, whom um, Jim is referring to, um, and Bob has well, been on the show before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he cared actually for his mother-in-law, and Wait. and also yeah, and then yeah. for his wife. Yeah. Yeah, Bob has been a very, uh, very stalwart. Bob has been very uh, a, a terrific mentor for me. I, I really, I've I've learned a lot from Bob. As a matter of fact, uh, different things that we had to do. Uh, legally to make sure everything got and Bob was very and still is to this day is a good friend uh, and uh, I know that we've, we've grown close together and the, the group that we have as caregivers and men a lot of them have lost have lost their their spouses and uh, to this point they come and try and help others and that's you know I think that we're as men when we go once you go through this, you're trying, you, your need is there to go and help others to get through it. And that's why this was started, I think, by uh, Sarah Kay and, and mm-hmm. Bob Hawkins. And uh, I see that as a very definite need 
out there. Okay, we're going to take our uh, last and final break, and we'll be back. I still have one more question um, I want to ask Jim, and then we'll do some final thoughts with Latrice and Louis Dean, um, and then my final takeaways for the day. So stay with us. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. Um, this has been a great show, and I think all of us have, have really learned a lot, and that includes me. Um, Jim, we were busy talking about the care mm-hmm. of your wife, um, Pat, um, but I'm really interested. So how do you think the content of the conversation in, in the groups, support groups that had women in them are different than what you guys talk about when it's when it's only the men. What we talk about as men is more in general. We know that we're going through the same thing and we look for ways to help others do that. The women, uh, and not in all of them, but the ones that I have and what I've noticed is they have that burden on themselves and they need to get it out. And that's what they're doing. They're crying for assistance. And how do I go about coping with this? And uh, that I think that's the difference there. I do still believe that they are so much stronger when it comes to 
um, the emotional uh, side as men are because uh, men, you know, we're going to get through it. We'll, we'll help each other get through it. But women, uh, I think they, they are just born into it. And I think they, they just have to develop that. And I think they do. I think it's a natural, a natural progression for them. Yeah, well, I would agree. I think women tend yeah. actually to be stronger because yeah. we have to deal with yeah. multiple. Oh yes, from children right on up. I mean, you right. You get the background, and you get to. I mean, I tried everything I could, like everything I could read and get my hands on when I first started because that meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. I want to do the right thing. Right. right. And uh, that's. I don't know if there's a right way of doing it. The, uh, you know, there's never a right way. There isn't. It, it's what, it's what works for you and the person you're taking care of. I believe that. I believe yeah. care and concern is the two things that I would say that you must have if you're going to go into a situation like this. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for Pat, for Patty and I, we have 51 years together, so we got a chance to know each other. And uh, I just, when that was cut off, you know, it, it makes it makes a, a big difference in one's life. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, people say, "Where are you going to?" I said, "Well, I got you know, I got. Well, you going up there every day?" I said, "Well, you know, I did divorce her. She's still with me." I said, "This is this is my life, and right. she is my life." Right. And uh, I still go talk to her. <laughs> so, Louisine, you're still with us, right? Yes, I am. Okay, so Louisine, can you? Let's go back for a minute and share with us some of the resources that were valuable to you when you were taking care of your mom. The uh, resources that I really went to was the Era Agency on Aging. From there, I was, um, well, Sarah Carey really is the one who recommended them to me. And from there, they really helped my situation. They helped uh, with some of the doctors. They can also help when it comes to uh, knowing how to take care of your loved one. So they have many resources themselves that they reach out and then put the two of you together to help you better care for your loved one. Yeah, we often refer to the Area Agency on Aging. There are Area Agency on Aging across the country. Um, They're a national organization. Um, And you should get in touch with them because to us, uh, they're a neutral resource. You know, when the nurse assessors come out to your home, they're not there to recommend one service over another, one program over another. They're very focused on your family and you. Yes. So they're going to assess yes. your family, assess what your needs are, assess what your financial situation is, and then make a recommendation um, based on what's best for you as a family, um, not necessarily recommending one program over another. Um, and if you financially qualify or your senior financially qualifies, it then becomes a free service. Um, and even if you have you have some copay, um, I think it's really worth it as opposed to a service that says it's free, but you have to get paid by someone. All right. Um, and those services are usually paid for by the nursing homes and the assisted livings. That's how they make their yeah. money, which is fine. But I like the neutral resource a lot better. Yes. So um, we're, we're very much promoters and supporters of the area agency on aging. And they can so. give you directions too, which helped me. You know, you can do this or do that. And the information that I got from them really was helpful as well. 
Right. Yeah. I, I, I think it's... A teaching tool. The, the, you have to... Um, the transition um, um, back home again can be very, very difficult. So you really need yeah. um, to... My mother came back home. It, well, after I moved her back into Ohio, after she had her, her very dense stroke in Florida, oh. she had a feeding tube in. Um, and um, we were going down to Florida to pick her up, and my husband said to me, "And where are the where is the cans of food you're going to need to put into the feeding tube?" And and I was like, "What?" And he's like, "Meryl, what do you think you're putting in the feeding tube?" <laughs> I'm like, "See, that's the man, the male." I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I said, I guess I was thinking it was pureeing food and putting it in the feeding tube. He's like, no, what are you talking about? You know, so, I mean, oh, my gosh. So, you know, I had to call the hospital. I had to get the food. I had to get it delivered. I mean, there are lots of pieces like that that you need someone to help you with because yeah. it's, it's a very scary time. It's very anxiety-provoking. And um, you need someone who can kind of walk you through some of this um, and help you, you know. Um, And I had the same experience. When I took my mother out of the rehab center in Florida because she was done her 100 days of Medicare, um, I had a speech therapist who was in my face telling me that I better face reality, that my mother was never going to be able to come home. She was never going to be able to talk. She was never going to be able to do this. She was never going to be able to eat. I said to her, you know, if I hear never out of your mouth one more time, I swear, I had to walk away from her. I mean, I didn't want to say to her, if I hear never one more time, I'm just going to slap you, which I would not have done, but I really wanted to. All right? Yeah. Because it's, it's like, I don't need this on top of everything she is else. Right. I'm like, oh, my gosh. All right? Yeah. Actually, when I train rehab people, I say to them, you know, you can't take away hope. You know, people need to get through their day on a daily basis. And what gets you through the day is hope that, Today you'll yeah. be okay. You know, we're going to make it through the day. So it'll be all right. Yeah, I just went through some problems with going back and forth with this. And then I had an infection in my tooth and I lost the tooth up here. They pulled it. And I'm still waiting for a dentist to get back in. I'm going around like this, you know. <laughs> okay. Latrice, I'm going to ask um, Jim to give you back the headset for a minute. Oh, sure. Okay. So Latrice, having heard all this, you know, and talking about the differences in in caregivers, um, how does your husband uh, respond to the care of your son? Um, I think um, he's not as much of a nurturer as me, but what he does is he more is the playful one with Lorenzo, which I think is helpful for me. So he'll make sure if the kids are outside playing that we make sure we have Lorenzo involved and we get him involved in playing with the other kids. And he does a lot more of that to get Lorenzo involved in those kind of things kind of than I do. So I pay more attention to the details of his medicine and things like that. And his dad really pays more attention to, let me make sure he has a well-rounded aspect of being a child. So let me make sure, you know, he has a four-wheeler to play on like the other kids do. Let's experiment and see if he likes a four-wheeler and puts him out there and does those kind of things where I might be a little bit more nervous and apprehensive. He's like, let's just try it. Lorenzo likes swimming. I can't swim. But his dad's like, I think he'll do well in the pool. So his dad takes him. So he does that kind of stuff to give him a well-rounded 
lifestyle of just being a child and doing things where I be I'm nervous, but his dad is like, no, no, it's okay. Let's give him a little bit of room. And I think that's a good balance between the two of us. Oh, I think that's a good point because you're right. Mm-hmm. I think as, as, as women, we tend to be like, <gasps> you know, like, oh no, you know, they'll get, they'll get hurt. You know, I once heard Meryl Streep do an interview talking about how that movie she made about run the river or whatever it was, was good for her because she was always on top of her children. Like, no, 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 don't do that. No, 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 you'll get hurt. Don't do that, you know, um, where her husband was more like, it's okay. It'll be all right. So I think that's a, I think that's a great sense of balance. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, guys, thank you very, very much for everything. Remember, just do one thing for yourself uh, this week. Take really good care of yourself. Ask for help. Learn from others. Trust yourself. You you really know more than you think, and you really have to trust yourself. Have a great holiday season. It's Dr. Merrill, and it's Quote Between Generations. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week. 